Hello and welcome to another episode of NJEDA's eConversations podcast. I'm Alberto Garrido, a communications officer at the NJEDA, and I'm excited to host this August episode of eConversations. Another successful Jersey Shore summer is drawing to a close, but Jersey tourism is still going strong. New Jersey's nickname, as we all know, is the Garden State, and the fall is a time when the state's wineries, zoos, and pick-your-own farms often see their peak season. We've already seen an increase in consumer spending this summer, and I hope that that trend continues well into the fall. Today's conversation will focus on how the multi-billion dollar tourism industry impacts our state's economy overall, and how local towns' businesses continue to benefit from available resources. During this e-conversations episode, you'll hear from Jeffrey Vazer, Executive Director at the New Jersey Division of Travel and Tourism. Jeff has a broad range of experience in the nonprofit, hospitality, gaming, and sports and entertainment industry. In his current role as the head of the New Jersey Division of Travel and Tourism, Jeff oversees the promotion and marketing of New Jersey as a premier for travel, leisure, and business meetings destination, as well as the state's travel and trade development and strategic plan. Mr. Vassar is also in charge of the development of the multimedia marketing campaigns, which include the production of television and radio commercials, website, mobile app, smart posters, and billboards to support and market New Jersey's multi-billion dollar tourism industry. Jeff's extensive career includes position in hotel, restaurant, gaming operations, financial management, convention center, and arena management, sports and event production, and destination marketing. We're also joined by Cindy Kunis, Executive Director at the Greater Lamberville Chamber of Commerce. Cindy has been at the helm of the Greater Lamberville Chamber of Commerce since 2019, secured membership growth and stability, and forging relationships with Rivertown businesses and stakeholders as part of her duties. The Greater Lamberville Chamber of Commerce, formerly known as the Delaware Rivertown Chamber of Commerce and Visitors Bureau, was established in 1972 and has been dedicated almost 50 years to promoting businesses in Lamberville and the surrounding area. Also with us is Heather Brown, co-owner of Wagon House Winery. In early 2004, Dan, her husband, and Heather decided to start a vineyard and winery. They leased some land from Dan's family, who had been farming in Mickletown, New Jersey, for over a century. They planted some grapes and hoped for the best. 16 years, 25 to 30 wines, and three boys later, they are still moving forward with all the energy and creativity they started with. Their boys have been always been a part of the business, and as they have grown, so have their roles. And last but not least, Kate Hartwig. In her role as Deputy Director of the Essex County Department of Parks, Recreation, and Cultural Affairs, Kate is heavily involved in the day-to-day operations of Essex County Turtleback Zoo. The zoo has roared back to life from the verge of closure by a previous administration. Attendance reached an all-time high of over 907 people in 2017, and the zoo has operated as a self-sustaining facility with revenue collected exceeding operating expenses. In addition, Turtleback is accredited by American Humane, the Association of Zoos and Aquarium, and the Zoological Association of American, a clear indication that an institution is committed to the highest standards in animal care, ethics, conservation, and education. It also has been named as the best zoo in New Jersey by NJ Monthly Magazine four times and received a certificate of excellence from TripAdvisor.com three times. So, we're kicking off this e-conversation with Jeffrey Bazer. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us, Jeff. Oh, great to be here. So, the tourism industry in New Jersey was the third largest industry in the state before the pandemic, accounting for an estimated $46 billion in revenue in 2019. 
Do you think we'll be able to match those numbers in 2021? And how do you foresee the economic recovery of the tourism industry taking shape this next two to three years? Alberto, that's that's a great question. And I get asked a lot uh, about when we will recover. 2019 was a record year for us in New Jersey. We had 116 million visitors and we had, as you said, $46 billion uh, in visitor spending. That's great economic impact for uh, for our industry and for our state. Unfortunately, in in 2020, we dropped 27% in visitation. So we dropped down to 86 million visitors and our spending dropped 37% down to $29 billion. So that was a huge uh, hit that our industry took. And, you know, needless to say, a lot of jobs uh, and a lot of industries, uh, you know, suffered accordingly. We don't see the comeback um, that quickly. We have a company called Tourism Economics, which um, does our uh, forecast and does our results every year. And what we're looking at right now is an increase to about 100 million visitors this year in 2021. And we're probably not looking to get back to the 2019 levels until I'd say 2023. Nevertheless, you know, that's positive growth each year. So, you know, we're certainly looking forward to that. And we expect spending to grow uh, to about $41 billion this year. So, no, I don't expect it to be in 21, but by 23, we should be back to those levels. Very interesting. Thank you, Jack. Now, can you talk about what is New Jersey doing to attract more visitors to come and spend their money in New Jersey, whether in the agritourism sector or iconic beaches or uh, maybe our charming downtowns or other attractions that we have? <laughs> I w- my quick answer would be all of the above. Our Secretary of State, Tahisha Way, who is my boss, her attitude and my attitude and the governor's attitude is we need to be you know, all inclusive. All of the great tourism destinations that we have need to be included in how we market. New Jersey had been known for its iconic Jersey Shore, and still the Jersey Shore produces about 50% of our tourism receipts each year. But we continued uh, in recent years to market to people to come to the beach, even in August. And what what changes we made is now, you know, as we approach the summer season, everybody knows the iconic Jersey Shore. We want to make everything else as iconic as the beach. So when we get into May and June, people will already have their beach plans. We're going to be talking about the fall, about agritourism, as you said, and about the farms and the farm to table and the great wineries and breweries that we have in New Jersey. And in the summer, you know, we also want to talk about, you know, the great outdoor activities up in Sussex County, for instance. There, there is so much going on in outdoor restaurants and outdoor events and festivals. That's the way we're going to increase our market share, pushing more people into a beach on a Saturday in August you know, isn't going to work. But what is going to work is, you know, start focusing and our marketing towards the non-beach entities in the summer. And conversely, you know, start pushing some of the um, shore-based events, you know, in the off season. But we're also going to be, you know, fortunately, the governor and the legislature uh, gave us a significant increase to our budget this year. And then, of course, the, uh, the federal EDA uh, has given New Jersey about $15 million dollars to help with our tourism recovery. So we're going to be going beyond our traditional market areas of New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, and get down south into Virginia, get north into 
uh, New England and then west into Ohio and really start pushing our broadcast, our digital and radio campaign throughout those areas. And we're also going to focus on international now. Canadians have always been a big supporter of New Jersey, but we're going into Europe. We're going into to South America because Newark Airport has about 15 million international arrivals. And we traditionally did not market to them. And we've got a lot of things that they want. So we're going to be really focusing on the international market as well. Oh, that's great. And we certainly do not have a shortage of uh, places to go to or activities to attend to in this state. So excellent. Right. <laughs> Thank you, Jeff. This question is for Cindy, Heather, and Kate. So we hear all the time about the important roles that small businesses play in local economies. Can you tell us a bit about how your small business or your organization fits into your community, but particularly what attracts folks to your business or your organization? We can start with Cindy. Yes, uh, thank you for asking. That's a fantastic question. Basically, Lamberville is a quaint, historic town with unique businesses such as funky or vintage shops, artist galleries, small restaurants, bed and breakfast, world-class theater, performing arts venues, and we have the largest flea market in the area and the largest ballet school in the smallest city. It's a professional ballet school. So people come here because it's quiet and you don't see the chains that you see everywhere else. Like you go to cities, you see the same chain restaurants, the same shops, but here it's very unique. And then we also have recreation on the Delaware and in the canal or on the canal and the towpath that, that draw people who are outdoor enthusiasts. Excellent. Thank you. Heather, if you want to chime in now, can you tell us a bit about how your small business fits into your community and what attracts folks uh, to come to your small business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's an interesting question. And we didn't really see it change too much with COVID. And I think uh, one of the reasons we didn't see that change is because people really needed wine during COVID. They, they were stuck at home with their their families, and we, although we couldn't be open, our tasting room couldn't be open, we were offering local delivery. We were um, doing discounted shipping. Our discounted shipping rate is still available, actually, and so we really saw that piece of our business pick up tremendously, and that that is really what helped keep us afloat. That, in addition to, I must say, the state and federal funding that was available during those times, uh, without all of those things coming together, and, you know, that really, it also meant we had to reinvent our business. So, but without all of those things coming together, we would not still be in business. You know, it really took a tremendous effort on our part to reinvent our business. We had to rethink everything and we had to go, you know, go for those grants and go for those loans and do whatever we could to, you know, we have, we're exceptionally small winery for the state of New Jersey and the people who work for us really depend on, on us. We're that supplemental income for those families, you know, so it was really important for us and our team. And I must say our team came back to us. Uh, when we were able to reopen. And we were really, really proud of all of them for sticking with us and coming back to us. And I think that speaks a lot to our community and the type of people that we have here. Our township, South Harrison Township, is a very small community. It is and has always been a strong farming community. So when people come here, they're looking for that farm experience. They want to see, you know, we have a lot of people that come from Delaware and Philadelphia area. And they want to see what it's like, you know, in the vines. We have, we have goats, we have lamb, 
um, we have chickens and hens, and they, they, they're just they're infatuated with all these phenomenal things. And so it's not just the wine that brings them to us, which was the original question. Um, it's the entire experience, that whole, even though the tasting room is inside, but there's that whole outdoor piece that people find fascinating and enjoy witnessing. Our children are always here. They're always helping. And that's something else that people really seem to appreciate. Excellent. Very interesting. And we're very glad that your business has grown so much this, uh, this past few years. Kate, if you don't mind chiming in. Uh, so how does the uh, Essex County uh, Turtleback Zoo fit into your community and what attracts uh, folks to come and visit? First of all, thanks for having me. Turtleback Zoo is part of a larger leisure destination focused on families called the Essex County South Mountain Recreation Complex. Um, it's based in West Orange and it is operated by the Essex County Department of Parks. The zoo itself really attracts guests from across the tri-state region because it's providing an immersive experience um, for guests of all ages that's really based in wildlife education and conservation. Folks who live close to the zoo or are regular guests, it's like having the world right in your own very backyard. While you're here, you can watch our California sea lions swimming and splashing along to music, following cues from their animal trainers. You can feed a budgie bird in our walk through Australia aviary. Um, you can see our white-cheeked gibbons playfully swinging across their yard or even come face-to-face -face with a Maasai giraffe at our feeding stations in the Africa Adventure Path. The variety of experiences that Turtleback Zoo offers is really what keeps our guests returning. And I didn't even mention our train, which, you know, folks come to uh, on a regular basis. In addition, you know, we're always striving to improve our facility, both for our guests and for our animal residents. So our regular guests and especially our Zoom members know that when they come back, they're going to see and learn something new or learn something new about the animals and habitats that we have at the zoo. Excellent. You guys are making a tremendous effort. And I know firsthand uh, your zoo is the favorite zoo of a lot of people I know. So <laughs> uh, let me start with you on this uh, with this question. Um, the uh, COVID-19 pandemic impacted every industry within the state. Can you please uh, speak briefly about how it impacted the Turtleback Zoo and the uh, organization that you work for and how state resources have helped soften this impact? Sure. So um, Turtleback Zoo was greatly impacted by COVID-19, like many in the recreation industry. Um, we were closed to the public from mid-March to mid-June of 2020. We lost almost 100% of our field trip attendance, both in 2020 and in 2021, just because of COVID and some of the restrictions on schools. We did see a hesitancy from people to travel across state lines. So we were relying really on local traffic and staycation families from across the state to visit us. Overall, our attendance in 2020 was half of what it was in 2019, and the same goes for revenue. We, we saw it half. But when we did reopen, we considered the safety and health of both our guests, our staff, and our animals. Of course, even today, we are enforcing masking because of our animal interactions. You know, our species are not vaccinated against COVID-19. Um, and those animal attractions did not open until October um, of 2020 as well. But throughout the pandemic, the zoo has also been working really closely with our county health department, um, hands in hand about how to reopen safely. 
Um, and we've actually hosted a lot of pandemic events. So um, the zoo hosted mobile vaccine clinics throughout the pandemic, and we're continuing to do so. We've provided facilities for COVID testing um, throughout 2020. Um, and we even uh, hosted emergency food distribution events last year. And this past June, we hosted an Essex County COVID warrior event for all of the volunteers and healthcare workers that have been working with Essex County um, throughout the pandemic to deliver COVID-19 services. So we've been working hands in hand with our local officials to um, try to serve our community in it when we weren't able to provide our traditional services. That's great. It's great to hear of all that local collaboration that takes place. Heather, same question for you. Can you please tell us uh, briefly about how the COVID pandemic impacted your business and how state resources have helped uh, soften this impact? Yeah, absolutely. I did already touch on it a bit, but I will say that we did have to reinvent ourselves, our business, and think differently than we had in the past. But we also saw, which was very refreshing, people doing the same thing, our customers, our guests doing the same thing. Uh, when we finally were able to reopen, we didn't open in, in June or July because we're not uh, we're not on the, the beach. We're not a, um, a a destination during the summer and to sit out in our our yard in um, June, July uh, in uh, this South Jersey humidity and, and drink wine is um, not something many people really put on their checklist. So we waited until August 1st, and we were shocked at, at, at how well it was received. But it was overwhelming to see how people wanted to come back out and sit outside, regardless of the August heat, because we know August really isn't much better than June or July. And they, they were gracious and kind and so supportive of everything that we were doing and our staff was doing to help them. And we saw that continue into the fall as well. And we had very positive experiences. And again, uh, as I mentioned already, the state and federal resources that were available to us have made a tremendous impact. Without those things, we, we couldn't have done it. And I think it's really important for the general public to understand how those resources came into play for so many small businesses, because without that support, the, I, I think we would have seen, we've seen a lot of businesses go out of business, but I think we would have seen so many more not survive. You know, we ended up um, putting, taking one of our high tunnels, it's a 4,500 square foot space, and turned it into an entertainment space because the sides go up, the doors open, and essentially it's a great big tent. So we could accommodate so many more people in that area, and people enjoyed it and loved it, and we grow all kinds of plants and things in there too. So I think the businesses that continue to think outside of the box and take advantage of the resources that are available and share that information with their guests, their customers, will continue to move forward and thrive. And I think being in New Jersey, we are a phenomenal destination state. I grew up here, so I don't think of it that way. I grew up going to the beaches. But I know somebody mentioned um, there is a huge influx of Canadians that come down to the Jersey Shore. I, I lived in Vermont for a bit time, and uh, I know from just speaking to all the Canadians that came to Stowe, where I was living, they, you know, you mentioned Kate May, and everybody knows all about Kate May. And so th there are so many people across the country and from around the world who know the Jersey Shores. And I think it's really something for us to be proud of. And we also have the agritourism business, which is so important because, as we mentioned, New Jersey is the garden state. And people are shocked. When we first started our business, they said, well, you have a winery in New Jersey? 
And I said, well, we're the garden state for a reason, you know? I think for, for so many years, people thought of Newark, New Jersey, when they thought of New Jersey. You know, they didn't really see the big, broad picture of everything that we have to offer. And tourism is so important, not just for the small businesses, but for the people who live and work in these communities who depend on these small businesses. So I think that what the state did and funding that was available was phenomenal. And I, you know, I do know that our team appreciates it. We appreciate it. And our, our customers certainly do too. Absolutely. And we're very glad you were able to take advantage of those available resources. Now, we, uh, Cindy, so the question for you, I'll frame it this way. Can you tell us a little bit about how the COVID pandemic impacted maybe the businesses that are uh, affiliated in your chamber or, you know, what you have heard uh, from the members of the Greater Ledmer Road Chamber? And how have uh, those state resources helped those members that you have uh, been in contact with? So, unfortunately, we did lose a couple of businesses, but to my surprise, new ones replaced them. You know, my greatest fear was a shakeout period where you lose many businesses, we would have empty storefronts. And who would want to visit an empty town? You know, it's just a domino effect. But that didn't happen. And the state was allowing, um, you know, outdoor dining, and then they opened up more dining through the pandemic, which greatly helped them, as did Cocktails to Go and Parklets. So we opened out more outdoor dining space, which kind of gave our town a little bit more of a European feel with the cafes. What helped out businesses a lot was definitely the Paycheck Protection Program, NJEDA grants, and other grants. I know some were geared specifically for restaurants and other businesses. And, and also, applying for a lot of these grants was quick and easy. It wasn't made to be difficult or to throw you curveballs. It was very straightforward. You know, how was your you know bottom line last year compared to this year? How much funding do you need? It was very quick and easy. So I believe that definitely helped out these businesses a lot and kept our storefronts full. Interesting. And yes, uh, it's, it's very uh, practical that these applications tend to be easy to, to complete. Okay, so I have one last question for everyone. And I'll start with you, Cindy. So uh, what advice do you have for anyone looking to start a small business in the booming tourism industry of New Jersey? Definitely do your homework. Visit often and study who visits the town. You know, what are the demographics? What do they like to see or do? And you don't want to open up a business where there's already several of the same type there. You want to open up something that's a little bit different. Uh, kind of keep the competition down and keep people coming to you. So you can look up the demographics online on who lives there. And businesses that offer something to do are usually a big hit and help bring people to the area. So we have the Acme Theater. They started drive-in movies because people want to be outside. Pettico with their e-bike shop moved in and they offer rentals and tours. And Big Bear Gear moved in and offered outdoor rentals of bikes, kayaks. They offered classes. And also you want to possibly bring in a business that can serve the residents too, because during the shutdown, it was the residents that were going to a lot of these businesses and filling in the gap. So if you could have bring in something that handles both tourists and residents, that really helps a lot too. Thanks, Cindy. Heather, yeah. what advice do you have for anyone looking to start a small business in this booming tourism industry of New Jersey? 
I absolutely agree that you have to do your homework. Uh, it's very funny that one of the biggest questions my husband and I are always asked is, why did you do this? What what made you start? A, you know, and it's interesting because for us, it was just kind of a natural thing. We wanted to be self-employed. My husband is a fifth generation farmer. He wanted to get back to the farm. And so we really didn't think about it too much. And we, we did our homework. We didn't do it as well as I would suggest people do, but because we did it for the love of farming, for the love of the industry, for the, the love of wanting to raise our children on a farm and be with them. And but it's, so it's really important to balance those two things out. You need to know what it is you really want out of your life, what your goals are, your personal goals. And then also know the business, know your industry. I was an English major, and one of the most important things that they pound into English students is to know your audience. So it's the same thing. You have to know who your customer base is going to be and how to reach them and what is it you're going to offer. I also know one of the three recession-proof industries is alcohol, and the other two are tobacco and cosmetics. And if you think about the businesses that we frequented during the pandemic, when we were all shut down, we were going, liquor stores were still open. People were still worried about buying their cosmetics and looking and feeling good. And people were still going for their tobacco products. As unhealthy as that is, it is still one of the strongest things that will survive any type of recession. And now we know it's a pandemic. So it is, it is important. Though I'm not suggesting anybody to start growing any tobacco and start smoking. But I will say that, again, speaking to the audience, knowing your audience, knowing where you want to be in life, too, uh, because you don't want to start a business that you're not going to love and that you can't stand behind. So it's, it has to be a balance of both. Absolutely. That's some great advice. Thank you. Um, Kate, so from your experience, uh, what advice uh, can you give anybody looking to start a, a small business here in New Jersey in the tourism industry? Well, Cindy and Heather are right. I think doing research is really key if you're starting out in a brand new industry. But I also think networking makes a huge difference. Getting to know the other local businesses in your immediate area and getting to know people who work in your industry specific, but maybe in other areas of the state or, the, or where you work. Um, that's been true for us at the zoo in terms of networking with other zoos, but also true in us getting to know the small businesses that are cropping up along the corridor. Um, because the zoo is such a destination, we see businesses changing over, businesses growing, new businesses coming in, um, and we make an effort to um, communicate and reach out to them um, so that they know what events are coming up and they can serve the people who are coming into our area. I also think just a little bit of goodwill as a small business, anything you do in your community to give back makes people a little bit loyal to you as a small business owner especially in small town New Jersey, where we have all of these tiny little um, downtowns where um, people want to support their local restaurants and their local businesses, that goodwill goes a long way. Absolutely. That's some great advice. Um, now, Jeff, I'll give you the last word with this, uh, with this question. Uh, can you give us any advice or anyone looking to start a small business in the tourism industry of New Jersey? Sure. Well, first of all, I couldn't agree more with what my colleagues said. And all three of them represent great destinations and a great attraction in our state. They certainly have proven that they know what they're doing. But um, the only additional advice I can give is, is partnerships. That is a big push that we're doing this year from our office. And then I suggest that everyone that's trying to get into this business work with their local 
destination marketing organization. And every area of our state has one. And what they can do is bring together all of the tourism assets in their areas, whether it be hotels with restaurants, with attractions, with shops, arts, arts and cultural assets. I mean, everybody needs to get together and work together and put packages together. The way to keep people in your area longer is to give them more things to do. And the way that you find out about it is people are, you know, often will reach out to their destination marketing organization and get that help in, you know, trying to figure out what to do, where to stay, and help them put itineraries together. What we're looking to do from our office is to help our local destination marketing organizations fund cooperative programs. So you'll be able to go to trade shows and consumer shows to show off your 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 attraction or you know your uh, your venue at a much cheaper rate than you'd be able to do it on your own. Uh, you'd be able to get in everybody's visitor guides at a much cheaper rate. So those are the things that we're trying to do. And the only way to get there is through your destination marketing organization. And let me just finish with a reminder uh, that I tell people is that in five short years, we're going to be celebrating the 250th anniversary of the American Revolution. And New Jersey was central to that. And what we're trying to do right now is work with the over 140 Revolutionary War sites in New Jersey and help them work with their destination marketing organization partners to help them get into the mix so that when somebody's coming into town, they will know what's there. They will know about the farms. They will know about the restaurants. They will know about the wineries and breweries. Partnerships, working with your DMOs, I think that's the way you're going to help ensure success. Excellent. Couldn't agree more. So doing your homework, partnerships, networking, goodwill, lots of love, but make sure you do it in New Jersey, right? <laughs> well, that does a great advice, <laughs> Molly. I really appreciate it. And uh, with that, you know, I'd like to thank uh, Cindy, Heather, Kate, and Jeff for taking part in this great conversation. We appreciate everyone's time, and we wish you all a great rest of the summer. And with that, we'll be back next month with another episode of E-Conversations.